Brought to you by Being Well Collective. Comprehensive wellness and engagement solutions for real estate development and senior living. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Gwen Fitzgerald, the Director of Public Messaging at Leading Age. Welcome to the program, Gwen. Thanks, Nancy. I'm so happy to talk to you and your audience. Well, thank you. We so appreciate everything Leading Age is doing. But before we get into that, tell us about your background, Gwen. Well, I feel so fortunate that I have been able to chart a really interesting and, to me, meaningful career thus far. Um, I began in at an association, uh, began answering phones back in the day, and pretty quickly transitioned to advocacy communications. So working at organizations that were trying to make a change in the world, um, a lot of issues that many of your listeners uh, would have been familiar with. Many of them were very controversial, so the communication side of things was quite interesting. But I think the organization that ultimately led me to leading age was an end-of-life care and options organization. And at that organization, I had the opportunity to learn about what we're talking a lot about right now, those demographic changes that are happening with the aging of the boomers and um, other demographic changes that will lead to fewer caregivers. And I was pretty astounded to learn about that. And it's so central to what Leading Age is doing. And I also had the chance to work on a major initiative related to research-backed communications. And when I had the opportunity to learn about this job at Leading Age, I thought, oh, those two things will marry together so interestingly. And here I am working in the same field that you are. I love that. And I know um, research is core um, to what Leading Age is all about. But tell us a little bit about the different offerings Leading Age has for both members and the um, entire senior living industry, and I should say the general population as well. Yeah, so we could spend two hours on this, but I know that we have a set time today, so I'm going to give you some of the highlights. Um, Leading Age is a national organization. We work with 38 state partners across um, the country uh, to serve older adults through aging services providers who offer excellent care and services. And a lot of the things that we provide uh, bring together good thinkers uh, to connect, to share ideas and to put them forward and to continue to advance the field so that care gets better and better for older adults. So we have things like an extensive knowledge center with online learnings that members can access at any time and on demand and um, share ideas that way. We have the Center on Aging Services Technology, where leading experts come together to bring forward new new innovations so that um, our providers can continue to increase safety and increase efficiencies across their organizations. We have a range of leadership programs from in-person summits that we'll hold this April in Washington, D.C., to an ongoing leadership academy where we bring forward cohorts every year of the best and the brightest to share their ideas and to develop ideas and put them forward. Our conferences and events are high energy, high learning opportunities. I also want to note that we bring forward aging services providers and academics, but leaders in the bus- on the business side as well to bring those innovations forward and um, have opportunities to share those um, innovations uh, with our members. 
Um, our policy team is second to none in their um, awareness of what is happening um, throughout the US government, noting all regulations and changes and informing our members and then uniting us in advocacy to make sure that we uh, request that our policymakers make good decisions about things that impact aging services. And then there's an extensive communications network where we're constantly delivering information back out to our members to share all of those findings. And I will take this moment to mention that we have just launched a new website about a month ago, same name, leadingage.org, new look, great functionality. I hope that all of your listeners take a peek and see what appeals to them about leading age offerings. I was spending some time on your website and it, it truly uh, has just a wealth of information for literally anyone uh, <laughs> from, from a, a resident to a professional, to a caregiver, to the government, to someone just interested in the sector. But one of the most exciting things that you're doing that I want to talk about today um, is the Opening Doors to Aging Services Research Project. So tell us about this. Yes, thank you. Um, so just a super brief backstory. In December of 2020, the Leading Age Board did one of its quarterly meetings. And you know that was the what we thought was the end of the pandemic, but it was only the end of year one of the pandemic. But they thought it would be a good time to take a look at how the public's perceptions of the aging services sector had been impacted by all of the negativity that rolled out and was unfairly directed at aging services providers, in particular nursing homes. And so they asked our communications director to take a strategic look at that and to investigate what the public thought and to make sure that they understood what the sector has to offer and make sure that their confidence had not been shaken in all of the amazing services that our sector delivers. And what came out of that, and we'll talk about some specifics, was an extensive body of research that rolled out, uh, took place over about six months, and it's now available um, on our website for people to take a look at, and a whole suite of communications tools that people across the sector can use to try to introduce the public to the aging services sector and all of the different component services and care options that are available through the sector. You uh, you talked about the caregivers. Um, you also studied values and what you call denial. Uh, can you talk to us about that? On our website, openingdoors.org research, viewers can see um, a schematic, a, a visual um, about some of the important findings that we took away from this long body of research. Um, one of the real positives was that we found extraordinary support for those caregivers. We actually asked in a national survey of US adults who were over 18, we gave them a list of adjectives and we say, said, what do you think of the people who work in aging services? And the words that came back to de describe professional caregivers were strong and complimentary. The words that came back were compassionate, dedicated, essential, and professional. So that told us that there was strong recognition about the value uh, that these dedicated people bring to the work that they do, these frontline caregivers. And it also, if people explore our communication strategy, became one of our recommendations for um, people to incorporate professional caregivers throughout their communications. 
And people can um, examine all of the communication strategies also at opening.org, openingdoors.org um, in the uh, drop down that says strategies. What does denial mean, uh, Gwen? What we found among some positive themes that came out of our research and a few negative ones was that overarching everything is a fear and denial of aging. You know, none of us want to talk about it, much less think about what it's going to mean. Many of us don't want to think about the changes that are coming to our bodies, to our lifestyle, to where we live and how we live. You know, there's a, there's a lot of resistance to that because there's a lot of negativity placed on aging, which I, I think is misplaced personally. Um, so those of us who are in the field and trying to bring important information about the care and services just need to be aware that we're flying into a little bit of a headwind on this fear and denial and that our communications should um, reflect an upbeat nature and we should strive to create curiosity about our sector because we are the answer. We have the answer right here in the aging services field to what people are seeking whether they know that right now or not. That's so interesting. And uh, it, it sounds a lot like that ter the terror management theory that they talk about, which is you don't want to think about it because it makes you afraid, right? That's right. And, you know, I, I give this little anecdote from my own life, if that's okay. Um, sure. My uh, siblings and I, there's, there's three of us and there's two of our cousins and we're supporting, but we're beginning, you know, personal caregiving to 85-year-old twins who we now um, have living together for a while. And my aunt asked me about my new job. And so I had a chance to regale them with aging services in the hopes that they would ask for something. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I explained all about what we do. And I had been there. I go there one week a month. And I do everything that a professional, you know, early caregiving, I clean, I cook, I check on the house. And my mother looks at me with a straight face and says, well, I live very independently. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. And I, I, I said, well, you know, I've been here a week <laughs> and I went over and I got her calendar and I showed her marked off on her calendar every week, every month. Oh, look, I'm here. So, you know, um, I guess. Every word has an interpretation for a person. My mom is living independently with a lot of support, whether she acknowledges that or not. So um, what we say in the aging services field is we have your back. Whether you want a little bit of help or you need to live in a community where you have a lot of care, we have that. And opening doors and its associated public service campaign, Keep Leading Life, helps providers get that message out to people to allay their concerns, to let them know that we're here when they decide that they need it. I love that you're servicing so many sectors, meeting them where they are and, and with the level of care that they need. Uh, one of the really interesting things about your research was the insider's view on public perceptions on aging services versus the public perceptions from the horse's mouth. So talk to us about that. Were there any differences? So it's important that you note that we did talk to both. And I'll just say a few words about how we conducted our research. We did in-depth interviews, which are just literally one-on-one -on -one interviews between our researchers and experts. And then we did focus groups of um, different uh, groups that are affiliated with the sector. So potential customers, potential employees within the sector, 
to try to get what you might call some color commentary to back up the broad findings that we found in our national survey. So it was interesting that the insiders who know this super well, they we talked to them before we did the national survey and they sort of um, kind of predicted some of the things that we might find. Uh, they were aware, they're aware that awareness is low among the public. They're aware that when people think about what we call the sector in the field, what the public thinks it is as nursing homes, the public just glosses over anything that's before a nursing home because it's just not on their radar. The insiders also are aware of the important distinction between nonprofit providers and for-profit providers and that there's a blurry distinction between the two and it's getting sort of blurrier as we go forward. Um, and that, and, and they understood the importance of the differentiation, which our broad research later confirmed. And they also knew how valuable those caregivers were. The insiders noted that in the media coverage and sort of the public discourse, you know, all that hero language, if you think back to 2020 and 2021, I put up signs in front of my yard that said, VCU Health, your heroes, healthcare, because I didn't work here at that point and I wasn't thinking about aging services. And then the parades, the car parades that went by hospitals, our insiders felt that a lot of that recognition was um, directed to people who worked in hospital and the full healthcare system. And that, you know, at the same time, much negativity was being sent to the professional caregivers in the aging services providers who were pulling off miracles every day to keep people alive with no help. So um, that was one of the big differences in recognition about those caregivers. And then our insiders put forward um, some advice to us to say, we have got to tell our own story. At that point, everybody was tired of the unfair negativity um, through the media that was directed um, at our full sector in 2020. And we said, we have got to tell our own story about what's going on here. And that ties directly to what became our core finding of opening doors. I mean, that strategy number one in this communications framework is open your doors, tell people what's going on, tell people who work within your sector and your organization, let them shine through and let them the professional caregivers and other employees at aging services organizations tell the story about their job and the benefits to older adults. So those insiders really had their finger on the pulse um, of what we would later find. What's so great about this is um, the actionable offering that there's there's so many things that that they can do specifically, right, to improve the messaging. That's right. So when we developed all of these resources, we are a very serious organization and we want to bring forward sound recommendations. You know, I, as I said, I've worked in multiple nonprofits and I, a lot of my friends do as well. And um, it has been my experience that very few organizations invest the time or the money to do research on which their communications are based. Because it's really easy and enjoyable to talk about things the same way that you've always talked about it. It trips right off your tongue, but at some point you've got to examine whether you're delivering the results that you would like to deliver. 
And so Opening Doors used this research and it found these core um, findings and truisms out of that research and developed an entire communications framework that we invite people to look at. So it's eight core strategies, it's core messages that we bring forward, uh, message frames that we advise people to use. We have insights about the best messengers that should be telling your story. We developed a visual and design guide that people can look at so that we think about how we present images, how the type looks on your page, how the words and pictures come together. And then we have some kind of cheat sheets that are available for people, literally a couple one-pagers called do's and don'ts uh, with little thumbs up and thumbs down. And then we have a language guide of recommended terms that we recommend people use. I was mentioning to you that I did a couple of presentations on this last week and the audience members, when we started talking about language, the audience members from our um, state association said, I hate that F word. And I thought somebody was going to say something terrible. And they said, we can't say facilities anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we dodged a little bullet there. Um, but, you know, we want to bring respectful language that is accurate, um, but that really conveys in a respectful and true manner what is happening at these organizations and to bring consistency to it. We all know the importance of sort of um, trying to bring consistency to it. So we've got a language guide. And then um, members across leading age are beginning to adopt the opening door strategies. And I can really see it coming to life at particular members. And so we put together what we call the provider inspiration guide. And by different types of communications channels, people can go and see how the opening door strategies apply. So through your website, through your social media, in your flyers that go out to the community. We've got nice examples and direct ways to show how the strategies apply. And I think it's a really nice learning tool for people who want to dig into the opening doors work. So the um, the research is available to everyone. I'm assuming that these uh, drilled down programs are available only to members? Well, I will say our board is so generous the Leading Age Board, when they asked us to do this work and made this significant investment, they said the bulk of these resources will be available to the field at large. So all of the research and all those communication strategies that I just um, outlined are available to anyone in the field at openingdoors.org. We did um, take a little bit of our own advice and we created a public service campaign that is called Keep Leading Life. And there is a short website called keepleadinglife.org. And that is a beautiful campaign that helps define the sector for the public and then helps define each provider type within that sector. And that those resources are available to members only as a service. There are customizable versions of all of the ads um, which are digital ads or offline communications like flyers or postcards that could be handed out. And those are available to leading age members at this time. And they can find those assets also at openingdoors.org slash creative. So we have a lot of generosity in our opening doors program. That's amazing. I mean, what a resource. And I'm sure all our listeners will go and check out some of that research. Um, one of the things, Gwen, that I wanted to ask you about 
that I found in the research was um, the statement, the aging services sector overall does not have a public perception crisis. I was surprised to read that. So can you elaborate? (laughs) Thank you for your transparency. I personally was surprised as well. Yeah. So this was one of the central questions that the board asked us to explore. So when we went and conducted our national public opinion survey of, again, of all U.S. adults over 18, we didn't go in, we did not go into the survey and define aging services for the the participants in the survey, because we wanted to know sort of what their knowledge level was at that point. So early in the survey, we asked them two important questions. We said, what are your views of aging services? And then we got really bold and we said, do you trust aging services providers? And this is where we said, we learned we do not have a crisis. For both of those questions, by two to one margins, the public views us favorably and they trust us. Now, what I want to say to that, that's and, and those numbers, but the two to one margin was 45% to 20 view us positive and 48% and 21% trust us. So again, two to one margins, but our top number did not surpass 50%. So it told us we don't have a crisis, but we have a, a situation that we want to work on. Because if you know leading age members, you know that they are not going to be satisfied with with a number below 50%. We are organizations that strive for excellence in everything that we do. So that led us um, to help uh, get these resources out to our members so that working together, we can start informing the public and letting them know about all the services that are available and to be very transparent in doing that so that people have an understanding. Another fact that we learned in our research was from that big group of people in the public that were just 18 and above, we we took a segment of them who had experience with aging services. And we said, of that group, how many of you think positively of us? And can you guess how many people with experience had a positive viewpoint? It was 68%. So two thirds of the public with experience had a favorable view and 70%. Shocking. It was astounding. (laughs) Yes. And and rewarding, actually. And further, 68% think they have a positive view and 70% would recommend us to others. So what that told us is that experience breeds confidence. So in the absence of information, people still think positively, but if you give them more information, they think more positively. So again, it goes back to telling our stories and letting people know what is available, who is doing it, and how we do it. Now, for anybody in your audience who likes math, and I've talked about the 45% and the 70%, they're probably going... That doesn't equal 100%, which it does not. And on both of those core questions, how do you view us and do you trust us? There were about a third of the people who said, I just don't know. And some people might be kind of discouraged by that. Like, how could you possibly not know? We took that as a major positive because, again, our research was conducted in the spring of 2021 Again, after year one of the pandemic, when apparently so much negative, so much negativity was directed at nursing homes as if we had, you know, created the pandemic, um, these people 
did not latch on to that negativity. There was something that they were willing to keep an open mind and say, I just don't know. So if they could withstand that amount of negativity, surely bringing them some information will move them positively. And that is exactly, again, what sort of led us to develop this communications initiative in the way that we did by opening our doors, telling our stories, increasing transparency, um, and demystifying aging services for people who are a little bit confused and in denial, as we talked about at the beginning of the interview. I love this. What what important research and great resources. Gwen, what gets you most excited these days? Oh gosh, I love this. Um, Leading age members. So I was hired in April of 2021 and um, it wasn't possible to just say, hey, I'd like to learn more. Let me come over to your organization because, you know, we were, we were being um, very careful about going into um, residential settings. So actually just last week, I got to go to my first leading age member. Um, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I visited a continuing care retirement community called Westminster Canterbury. And I saw all the amazing things that they are doing um, to make life vibrant and to stay vibrant. And it's an arts oriented community. Um, They have an amazing philanthropic arm so that people who wouldn't normally be able to afford to live in a beautiful place like that can live or people who outlive their savings, which now that we have so many years of life that's happening to people, um, they ensure that people can continue to live in their home, the place that they have moved into. When I go to leading age meetings, there's just an energy. I mean, just being in a conference center with leading age members, rather than being discouraged by all of the challenges that we're facing in our country right now with the aging demographics, the national workforce shortage, everyone is so can do. Everyone is, I'm going to innovate. I'm going to find solutions to these problems. I'm going to share my solutions with the next person. There's an optimism and a willing to collaborate and a willing to be solutions oriented because we're primarily nonprofit aging services providers and others who are mission driven. And we're going to deliver on our mission, no matter what those challenges are. Well, I can hear the passion in your voice, Gwen, (laughs) and I loved hearing about this program. Everyone go to the website, openingdoors.org. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Gwen. Nancy, I enjoyed so much talking to you and um, I hope that everyone enjoys the resources and they should feel free to contact me if there's any questions or they're um, implementing and if I can assist your um, audience in any way. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nancy. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.